Welcome to the Aaron Warner Podcast on iCode Media. Uh, today was a treat. I got to talk to my really good f- friend, Dwayne. I've worked with him in his prior role in Alcon for a number of years. And he has since retired from Alcon and is now uh, opening and launching his consulting business called Practice Elevation Consulting Services uh, that is working with optometry and dermatology. Uh, so please enjoy our conversation. Uh, we want to hear from you, so please join the conversation by leaving a comment, sharing with a friend, and leaving a five-star review. Also, be sure to support those who support us. Discovering the impact of Life Meter this year has been truly transformative for motivating my patients with macular de- degeneration to embrace carotenoid supplements. With this non-invasive device, we can now quantitatively show that supplements are working. Life Meter assesses carotenoid concentration in the skin, reflecting fruit and vegetable intake and indicating levels in other vital tissues like the retina and brain. Supported by over 30 peer-reviewed publications, LifeMeter's accuracy, consistency, and effectiveness have been validated in 2,000 subjects of varying background. What's more, it offers the flexibility to prescribe the best-suited products for each patient. My patients love knowing their numbers and witnessing improvements in as little as a month. Better yet, Compliance with carotenoid supplements has surged, doubling our sales of MacuHealth since the Life Meters implementation. Dwayne, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, you and I have quite the history together. Uh, we've worked on a number of projects uh, at Alcon and Alcon and Vision Source, and even with my own office. And um, so I'm excited to have you here to share uh, with the rest of the listeners what I know about you and all that uh, that you bring to the table. Um, and my understanding is that you have, uh, you're in a new, new phase of life, a new chapter in your life. You've retired from Alcon and now you are, um, starting a consulting business, which I, I think is going to let you spread your wings a little bit more. Uh, but before we dive into all the good stuff, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for, uh, for having me. And we're excited to launch this, uh, this next chapter in the, the evolution of my career anyway. Uh, so even prior to Alcon, I spent a lot of years uh, working on the industry side within a lot of roles like sales and marketing and corporate accounts for various medical device and diagnostic, even pharmaceutical companies. Then about 15 years ago, while I was at Alcon, I, I realized that we, as with many companies within the industry, spend most of our time uh, trying to convince doctors that uh, we have the best products, the best pricing and programs um, on the market. And in reality, most of those pricing programs really are pretty similar from company to company. They change frequently, hard to decipher, and our products are incrementally different. So even when we are successful in convincing doctors that our solutions are better, uh, we came to realize that the model out there is B to B to C or business to business to consumer. And we within the industry were spending little, if any time really working on, uh, you know, how to engage that second part, the B to C uh, and the messaging from the practice to the patients. And we also need to recognize that in our space, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the revenue in a practice is no longer coming from a third-party payer structure. Yet we're still behaving like it was. For example, uh, many practices are focused on volume and how can we see more patients per day or put more emphasis on acquiring new patients versus delighting or, or re-engaging the existing patients. 
for expanded services when needed. It was then that I decided we needed to change our model and begin to train practices to get the most from the business uh, to their patients or consumers while still wowing them uh, with what their doctor delivers to them. And that includes engaging the staff in the process and not expecting the doctor to do it all or be the ones to train the staff. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, you made a comment that uh, I'd like to explore just a little bit. You said that sure. a lot of the revenue was no longer coming from third-party payers. And when I first heard that, I, I wanted to challenge you because uh, I'm in Southern California, San Diego. And so a, a vast number of my patients are coming in with insurance or managed vision care benefits. Um, but then I thought about it some more. And even though that those insurers or, or managed vision care payers may be driving the patients to me, uh, I don't necessarily think that's where my profit's coming from. That could have been the case for my dad, but it, it's, I don't think it's yeah. the case for me anymore. Are you seeing that as well? Very much so. Uh, we hear every day about the, uh, the patients coming in either for exam only or, uh, and leaving with their prescription or only uh, uh, buying or fulfilling whatever their insurance is going to pay for. And could we spend more time with those patients educating them and uh, working with them to better understand their offerings that part of that or all of that may come out of their pocket, but it still may be in the absolute best interest of that patient to, to do that. Ah, perfect. That makes sense. So what will be different about what you're looking at doing now with your consulting versus the type of work that you did with Alcon that quite frankly, I had a lot of fun working with you in doing. It's still going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So as most of the folks in your audience, Aaron, probably are aware the the compliance requirements on industry are pretty strict. For example, all the program content we built and executed on the industry side had to really stay within that direct line of sight. Uh, for our, our case at Alcon, it had to focus on contact lenses or whatever products or services that we're selling. And when I did this on the pharma side, it was even more restrictive uh, before I got to Alcon Vision Care. Those limitations focused on glaucoma or cataract procedures. We couldn't even mention a product within 24 hours of uh, delivering a, an educational program there. Uh, the idea that we could even mention terms like customer service or consulting uh, were completely outside the guardrails. Going forward, we're going to do 100% uh, focus on making practice successful on all levels. So if your focus is, for example, on improving your net promoter scores, we'll put together a plan to move the needle there. If it's how to incorporate a new line of service or offering within your workflow, we can work with you on that. Or you might be focused on staff. How do you motivate? How do you retain or build culture within your practice? We can partner with you there too. In essence, we're going to be focused on what you want to do within your practice, and then we'll put the plan in place to get you there. I know all about compliance, so yes, that's uh, it's pretty <laughs> nice to be able to spread your wings um, fully, and uh, and compliance is important. Um, but sure. uh, I think when we're we're working at or looking at really helping practices, being able to do what we need to do and having the right conversations is equally as important. Um, quick question on the practices you've worked with. Um, what do you see are some of the best, and I'm not talking specific 
programs or whatnot, but some of the best uh, measurables or goals that they're looking to improve. I know you mentioned net promoter score, and that's that's a, a fantastic metric to track. But what are some other metrics that you see that have worked when an office focuses on those and looks to improve them? Well, I think first and most importantly, it, it's important to have some uh, target metrics rather than just some qualitative things that you want to achieve, like getting better at, right? Uh, so if improving revenue per patient, it's a from what to what within what time period. Uh, if it's in improving, let's say, on the contact lens sales, we want to improve our annual supply sales. Again, from what to what and in what relevant time frame, then we can discuss is that a reasonable um, goal within the time allotted, and then we can discuss the pathway for getting there. Um, and I think in a lot of practices it may be different, but uh, in working with uh, quite literally hundreds of practices over the last few years, uh, there are probably three to five that come up most often in, in those discussions. Yep. And it sounds like they all have a, a, a number associated with it um, so that it's, uh, it's, it's very measurable. Right. Cool. Uh, now, what's interesting in, when we bring something on, and I've learned this in our practice, is that whenever we add a, a, a new goal or a new process, um, it, it doesn't work well if we don't eliminate a, a goal or a process as well. And so my guess is in, in this new venture that you're taking on, um, you're going to be doing a lot more, but what are, are areas that you don't, you don't see yourself uh, providing areas of, of consulting that, uh, that, that you, you may not be working in? Yeah, so let's start with where our focus is is going to be, and that I'm calling it human engagement training, for a lack of a better term. So we'll, well, I like that term. We'll discuss what that means in a little uh, in a little bit. But we also think it's important to really dig in where your strengths are, and mm -hmm. but we also know where our strengths are, and rather than leaving someone hanging, we're building a collaborative group of, of consultants that specialize in certain areas. So for example, if you're looking for someone in billing and coding or human resources or finance or technology, we want to lead you to an expert in those spaces. Our area of emphasis, as we talked about before, is human engagement. So that could be staff to staff. It could be the entire team to patients to improve patient experience, to improve net promoter scores, a seamless workflow where we can script in some things. Uh, so important to know you're going to be working with an expert, whether it's within practice elevation consulting or one of our collaborative partners going forward. I'm glad you said that. I've seen too many uh, consultants, not just in the autometry space, but in any space that are one size fits all, one stop shop, however you want to say it. They do everything. And so I really appreciate you recognizing uh, your strengths and areas that, uh, that, that aren't your strengths. Um, and that way we can, can build a collaborative team, which uh, I think that uh, iCode Media and iCode Education and Chris Wolf have done a, a fantastic job. Um, and I appreciate them for the opportunity to have my podcast on the, the channel. Um, but they excel in building, a, <coughs> excuse me, they excel in building and coding and, and, and training. Um, mm -hmm but aren't necessarily in the practice, right? And we've got, uh, we've got other partners we work with for compliance training and HR. So uh, I, I do think it's a, a incredibly important to understand your skills and your strength you know, as a consultant, as a doctor, as, a, as an employee, um, and leverage those, but also know, you know where you need to find additional resources. So that's, sure. that's pretty cool. I like that, Dwayne. Yeah. 
Thanks. Um, in the time we've been together, uh, I know you like to bring an element of fun. You call it edutainment and uh, to all the trainings you provide. And we've certainly laughed a ton in my office. Um, <laughs> can, you, can you speak to why that's important for you to do it? Yeah, for sure. I, I guess I was that kid in school that would check out pretty quickly if there wasn't something funny or sh some bright, shiny object to uh, attract my attention. And likewise, when we're training doctors and their staff, that, that death by PowerPoint principle will certainly apply here too. So we try to use a variety of adult-based learning techniques that engages the whole team, whether that's uh, group exercises or role plays, vision boarding, just some get them standing up and, and interacting with one another. Or using animations and videos can also really bring pictures to, uh, to the words that we're trying to, to train on. We just want the experience to elevate and uh, to make sure that it's fun, that it's memorable, and then most importantly, impactful. Edutainment, uh, it's core to how we get the job done, which adds a lot more creativity into the trainings, but it pays off in terms of engagement and adoption. Uh, rather than being directive about something we want to do, telling people this is what we're gonna do and how we're gonna do it, we wanna engage them so that they understand what we're trying to accomplish, why it's important, and then enable them to design, at least in part, their own scripting or, or methods or workflows. And what we've learned there is that they're going to be a lot more likely to adopt it if we engage them in the solution itself. Definitely. Uh, and two things I learned from you. Um, one is, and, and we'll go in the reverse order, you mentioned them. You said that adopting their own scripting. I think we've talked a lot about the importance of, of scripting. We've We've seen offices, I've seen offices write scripts and had employees memorize those scripts. And for me, that always felt, felt unauthentic. Um, on the flip side, when I've gone into offices and I've heard them, you know, three different employees, maybe even the doctor, all describe the same product in, in three or four different ways, that was confusing as well. So how do you work with, uh, with practices to take a, a script and to let everybody write their own script but still have all those scripts uh, be collaborative or, or work with well with each other yeah i think it's important to show them some examples of what good looks like uh, but not necessarily adopt the words because it may not feel normal or natural but if they were to restate something in their own words the the essence of the message is still there but it's going to feel a lot more natural for them as long as uh, the what that we're trying to communicate isn't lost in rewriting uh, the messages. And then also the connectors. Uh, nothing worse as a patient than having the same question asked multiple times, or if I'm giving you information and at the next stop in the patient journey, that person either asks me the same question or hasn't gotten the information. So as important as the scripting is the connectivity of the script itself. Uh, I love that. Um, the other thing that came up in our practice, and uh, this was an aha moment for me, was role-playing. Um, it was a couple of years ago now when you would come in and uh, we, we forced the, the team to role-play, and I had given them a heads-up ahead of time. Um, they all groaned and whined and moaned, and I think half of them told me they were planning on calling out sick that day. <laughs> um, they didn't. They all showed up, and you helped us make the role-playing fun. But why do you think role-playing is is so important and so impactful. I know why we don't like doing it, but why yeah. is it so important to do it? 
Yeah, it, just as in the case of a, a play, you, you wouldn't take the stage without rehearsing. And it takes some of the um, angst out of doing it. Maybe for, for some, for others, it's a little more anxious. But having that opportunity to rehearse it, especially something new, uh, examine the connectors and, and what makes sense in terms of the handoffs. But for doctors, there are a lot of parts of your patient journey that you never get to see. Uh, you may be in the lane with patients, you may be elsewhere, but being able to inspect your own patient journey and coach and advise on that in a fun, low-key uh, scenario such as a role play can be invaluable. And it, it certainly helps to connect the dots, but to coach up the type of patient experience that you know ourselves as coaches and you as doctors want to deliver to your patients is extremely valuable for everyone. Uh, definitely. And you want to make those mistakes when you're surrounded by your friends and supportive peers. And uh, instead of you know, trying it the first time with, with a patient where sure. failure has a, a much more, uh, failure is much more painful. Right. So, um, I'm trying to think and, uh, oh, it, uh, it's slipping my mind right now, but there was a basketball movie, uh, a classic. I remember watching it as a kid with my dad and uh, a high school team and he, the, the team against all odds makes the uh, the state playoffs and the coach has one of the has the kids lay on the ground and and flop around a little bit and says uh you know look there's nothing you can do from here on out that's going to be any more embarrassing so <laughs> it's, it's it's okay to you know you you've, the worst has happened and move forward and i'm not suggesting that we have our staff lay on the ground and flop around i'm sure hr would uh, not approve of that but it's you know that's where you make the mistakes in role playing amongst your teams and and on the flip side, you hear what, what the others are saying. And so you can build off of it in your transitions, as you were talking about earlier. Sure. So I've, I've become very bullish on, on, right. uh, on role-playing since, uh, since that time. And we've recorded videos. Sometimes showing them what bad looks like is a great way for them to offer the, the constructive criticism and what could have been better about this scenario. And even the times we record a, this is what good looks like, inevitably people in the practice will tell us it could even be better if. So mm -hmm. we can continue to always iterate and build on even the good scenarios that we create. Well, and better always changes. I, I right. you know, there's, there was a, the best way to answer the phone. And now we're encouraging patients to, to text us. It, uh, I remember that it was a sin to not answer a ringing phone in an office. Um, now, because of the system we use with weave, uh, the patients, if we don't answer the phone, they get a text message saying, Hey, what do you need? Text us back. We can get a lot more done without talking to them on the phone. Sure. And so processes change as technology and culture changes. So, Dwayne, I know you've been uh, been doing this for a while, clearly on the consulting, um, and and I'm sure you've seen it all and have some stories that uh, you probably can share here and others that are better over a beer. But um, <laughs> what do you see uh, as the different, the greatest differences between the successful practices you've worked with and those that just it, it didn't get what they were hoping to uh, to to accomplish when they started, you know, consulting or trying to implement something new. Sure. And, and I'll start by saying everything, all the stories are better over a beer, but um, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, you know, the practices that are, are successful, um, you know, in these initiatives tend to be the ones that have about four things in common. And I'll say the fourth one is really a summary of the three. And the first is an engaged owner or leader 
that can genuinely stand up in front of the team with passion and give a commitment to that project. If they can stand in front of their entire team and let them know why this is important, what they're going to be doing, and how it's going to get done, that's critical. Ideally, the owner would identify no more than one to three areas of importance for their whole practice over a reasonable time frame. We don't want projects swapping in every other day or week or you don't get any traction and no one's really committed to, to that type of a scenario. The second, uh, and I would say almost equally important, is having that experienced, respected, and empowered manager in the practice who can ensure that things are being done the way they're supposed to. Practices need their administrative leadership role because you want your doctors in the lane with patients. And because of that, it's difficult for the owners or the doctors to really have that balcony view or the 360 view of their entire practice, which includes the whole patient experience and the whole patient journey. Third, I'll say having the right team on board is critical. And if you're enduring a lot of staff turnover or low morale, you have to solve for that first or moving any of these initiatives forward is going to be tough. Imagine that you used the sports analogy earlier. You've got a football team, baseball, basketball, any kind of a team where you have mutual interdependencies. And then every week you have open roles or new people on the roster and you have to train and bring up to speed. Well, it's going to be tough to win the season when you're dealing with that kind of change every week. So I see a lot of practices hiring for technical skills, for example, rather than going after the right people skills or cultural fit. And that can be a big problem. I mean, sure, it's great not to have to train them on the basics, but most of the success stories I hear from doctors are about their non-traditional hires they made. That because the people really want to help other people or were trained more on service than technical skills, and then they become a rock star once they get the technical training. That final success metric is, is sticking with the plan. Now, we can draw the map and paint the picture or whatever analogy you want, but at the end of the process, we're going to have to leave, and then the work reverts to you and your team to put the plan into practice. So again, do you have the discipline and commitment to do that? And really, that's determined by do you have the right owner or leader and commitment do you have the right administrative manager who can oversee what's happening throughout the patient journey? And do you have the right committed team on board to make it all happen? That's a, a, a lot and very simple all at the same time. <laughs> uh, I liked what you talked about when you said you needed the, not just the, the why, but the what and the how together. Um, uh, there's been some self-help and business books that talk about, you know, one of the three. Uh, but for me, I needed all of them right. and I need all of them for it to happen. It's great to have a why, but if I don't know where I'm getting there or how I'm getting there, um, or what I'm doing to get there, it makes it, it tough. Um, and sometimes I've actually done better without the why. And I've, you know, found that along the, uh, the journey, but certainly having all three is important. Um, and then you talked about the, uh, that staff member, we, the, the in vogue word right now is, is a, a champion, a practice champion who's going to take that. Um, and I, I don't know if you Peloton, um, I'm going to sidetrack and circle back a little bit, but <laughs> I was, uh, doing a Peloton ride with, uh, Hamilton and I, I loved the, uh, the musical Hamilton and they made a comment on there on the, the ride that, uh, King George, his role is less than 10 minutes on stage in the entire show. Hmm. But 
the impact that he has, I'd, I'd argue he's one of the, he's my favorite uh, character in the, in the show. Um, but his role made such an impact on the movie that I think that that, that practice champion doesn't need to be the one with the biggest title. It doesn't need to be the doctor necessarily or the office manager. It just needs to be somebody who's going to own that role. That's right. And have the resources and the time committed to seeing it through. Certainly. Yep. Making sure they have the, the, the resources and the time. Um, and then I got to tell you that last part about following through, that's the toughest for me. I'm really good at starting things. It's that, uh, the last 20%, uh, not getting distracted by the next project that I struggle with. So, which is why yeah, I have I my Kathy. Yeah, you're Kathy and having those dashboard metrics always in mm -hmm. front of you so that you keep it, uh, keep it in front of you for whatever the reasonable time frame is for that project. Uh, otherwise it, it can be diluted by the, you know, the squirrel of the day or the week. Yeah. Those squirrels are tough to ignore. <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they come up everywhere. Um, I'm curious because, uh, I've, I think I've talked about her multiple times on the, the podcast, the, uh, and my office manager, Kathy is fantastic. Um, but she has a very different personality very different strengths than I do. In fact, she's uh, almost opposite of me. Um, and I've found that once we were able to, to understand and learn each other and learn how to communicate with each other, we make a pretty darn good team and, and pretty formidable team because we, we pick up where the other um, uh, isn't as strong. Do you, have you seen that in other practices that you work with that that champion is, is slightly different in personality and skill set than the, maybe the practice owner or even a manager? It's often the case. I think uh, the the strong leaders in a practice can be more visionary. They have the big ideas. Uh, that administrative leader, that practice champion, would be a good counterbalance to keep them grounded, to make sure that we're uh, developing some discipline and continuity, and also vetting the big idea versus the the plan that's in place today. Uh, if we're too similar. Uh, we could be chasing squirrels together or get mired in the details, but uh, having that yin and yang kind of relationship is often good between the practice owner and the administrative leader. So, yep. I, I, I asked that because I was looking for validation that what we were doing is, is, is seen elsewhere um, right. because that's exactly what I feel. And, and part of that is the trust that, you know, even as the practice owner, I, I, She's welcome to and expected to challenge back and push back sure. and tell me I'm wrong. Um, it's not a, an ego thing. It's a, how do we get the best possible outcome, um, which is better than typically than either of us envisioned if we were just to do it on our own. Mm -hmm. For sure. So awesome. Very cool. So Dwayne, um, uh, this, uh, you, you up and running now with your, uh, uh, practice elevation consulting. We are in part, we're getting all the elements together with the official launches in uh, early December. Uh, we are, we're hoping to be at full scale and, and running in, uh, in, in the, uh, in the marketplace, working with practices live, uh, beginning in January. So exciting cool. stuff. Nice. So if, uh, walk us through, if somebody wants to, uh, to engage with you, what does that, does that process look like? Is this a, uh, a scripted, you know, uh, cook by number or paint by number, rather a follow a recipe, uh, model. How do you, you look in your, your entity, look at, uh, engaging with practices. It'd be really disappointing if I said yes to that, but no, it would be, uh, 
Well, once you reach out um, in the various methods, and we'll share those with you in a moment, to express some interest, uh, we'll set up a time to get to know you, talk a little bit about your situation, um, and determine if we can, we can help you or if we may have a collaborative partner that we could refer you to. Uh, this isn't about our team pitching you, uh, but it's lear us learning more about you and your particular situation. What's gotten you to where you are today and where you want to be in the future? And then in the event we feel that we can help you, uh, we'll go back and put together a proposal of one or more options for you to consider. Now, some of these may be just us working with you or, or your leadership team, uh, and still others may involve some training for your entire team. It depends on the situation at hand. Uh, what you get will be customized to your specific needs and goals as a practice. It's not cookie cutter. Um, it's meant to solve the problem or achieve your specific goal. Each problem is unique and each practice is unique, so the solution should also be uh, equally customized to uh, address the situation at hand. So, Perfect. Sounds good. And what I've learned um, uh, with all the successful practices that I've seen is that uh, they're never on an island by themselves. They, uh, even if they're part of a, a bigger group like Vision Source, like I'm a part of, uh, they've got a close circle of trusted confidants that they can bounce ideas off of. They can get that honest feedback from, um, and, and you know, the, the relationship is is symbiotic. So, I appreciate uh, you know the value of a, a coach and the value of somebody looking to help and looking to uh, to you know give a second set of eyes on uh, and help. Yeah you know, make us all better for sure. So 100%. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Dwayne, this is, uh, this is great. Thanks for spending, um, about half an hour with us and, uh, and the listeners, um, uh, super excited to hear about the success and share some stories, uh, hopefully over a beer with the, <laughs> uh, the practice elevation consulting services. Um, and I look forward to, uh, to seeing you more. Um, I'm going to put your, uh, your contact information in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out and get a hold of you, that uh, the the old emails at your previous work don't uh, don't apply anymore, but we'll get your new email and your, uh, your your cell phone down there. That'd be great. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that. Awesome. You are welcome. Any last parting words? Well, thank you for this time and this venue to be able to to get our our new venture out there. We're really looking forward to engaging with uh, with you and, and and many in your audience. So uh, here's to things to come. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Next time.